probably a month ago, Cindy and I began to make plans to go to Jonathan's house, our son, and help him celebrate his 29th birthday. That was just last weekend. And it's amazing to me that we've got a kid who's that old. You know, where has the time gone to? Do you ever feel that way? Just time flies, time is just passing by. Here, uh, when we came to Fort Scott, uh, we were one week away from Jonathan celebrating his one-year birthday. And here we are 28 years later. Uh, anyway, the senior guy who Jonathan works with there at the Rocky Fork uh, Christian Church in Hallsville, Missouri, he, he found out through com- conversation with Jonathan that I was coming, and he invited me to preach at their church last weekend, which I was glad to do. Uh, we were emailing back and forth with one another about uh, the sermon, and I was asking him if he was preaching a series of sermons that he would want me to stay within the theme of that sermon. I would be glad to do that. He answered me back and said, no, don't worry about that. I'm preaching through the life of David this summer. The theme of my series is pursuing the heart of God. And I said, you're kidding me. I said, I'm preaching here in Fort Scott through the book of Psalms, and the theme is pursuing the heart of God. Well, that got his attention, and we communicated some more, and we decided on a particular sermon from this series that I would preach at Jonathan's church. That happened last, last Sunday, and that was really fun for me to do. It just was a reminder to me that God's Spirit is always at work. Oftentimes, even when we don't know what all he is doing. My mom attends the College Heights Christian Church in Joplin, Missouri, and I was talking with her, and uh, they have lost their preacher, Randy Garrison, and Mark Scott is filling in for them every Sunday. That's not a bad fill-in preacher, (laughs) I would say. Uh, My mom mentioned to me that Mark was preaching through the book of Psalms this summer. Hmm. I'm want, is that a coincidence? I think it's more than a coincidence. Maybe God's Spirit is just working as He always is. He's working here. He's working in Joplin at the College Heights Church. He's working at my son's church in Hallsville, Missouri. He is wanting us, His people, to pursue His heart. He's wanting us to get to know Him better to have a relationship with Him. And that's my challenge to you. We've been in this series for six weeks now, pursuing the heart of God. I hope and pray that you are indeed pursuing His heart. It would be good for you as I took some time, even this morning, in my prayer time, to just pause and say to God, would you help me to have your heart, God? Would you just bow your heads right now and pray that simple prayer? Lord, would you help me to be a person who is after your heart? Amen. And today I want to challenge you to be a person who is pursuing the heart of God through prayer. Now, you may remember that it wasn't too long ago that I spent eight weeks talking about the subject of prayer. That's the series that we entered into the new year with, the subject of prayer. 
But my thought on that is you really can't talk too much about prayer. Unless, of course, we have mastered the discipline of prayer. Now, I don't, I don't know that we have done that. I've not. I can't say that I have mastered the discipline of prayer. I, it, is there anyone here that could raise your hand and say, I've mastered the discipline of prayer. I have no room for improvement in that area. That's what I thought. We all have need to improve in this discipline of prayer. Uh, And certainly, I cannot preach through the book of Psalms for very long without talking about prayer. So many of the chapters in the book of Psalms are David's prayers to God. It's like you and I sitting down and reading the, the prayer journal of David. I think there is definitely some things that we can learn from David as we listen in to him as he as he's praying to God. And that's really what I want to do today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalms 139. We're going to spend the whole time in that chapter. We're going to work our way through that chapter. And what I hope to do is simply this, to listen to David pray. And see if there isn't something from his prayers that we can learn. Have you ever listened to somebody pray and you just felt like you could reach out and touch God? I was thinking about that. There have been a few times that I have been in a prayer circle with E.K. from India. And as he has prayed... It's been almost like I sensed God was right there in the circle with us. That I could almost open my eyes and take a peek and see Him standing there. I I remember specifically one time we were at my mom and dad's house and E.K., he was here visiting us. We had taken him there. We'd had a nice meal. My sister and her husband were there as well and we'd had a a good evening of fellowship. The time was for us to leave, and I uh, asked the the family to let's let's all pray together with Ek, and and I asked Ek to lead in that prayer, and uh, we all held hands, and he began to pray, and it was as though I could sense his presence right there. And later I was talking with my sister and she said the same thing. It was like she wanted to open her eyes and look to see if God was there in the circle with us. And I think maybe that's the way it was when David prayed. That that when David prayed, God came near. By the way, if you have your Bibles open to Psalms 139, uh, what, what is the heading of your chapter there. Mine says this, for the choir director. And actually in my study this week, it it says that that this was actually a song that David had wrote. His prayer was a song to be sung. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of David. In verses 1 to 6, we're going to hear David say to God, you know me. You know me. And it starts out there, verse 1, O Lord. That's how he is addressing God the Father. He is saying, O Lord. This is 
the Hebrew word Yehovah. Interestingly, this word is translated Lord in our Old Testament 60, over 6,500 times, including here in chapter 139, verse 1. It means the existing one. He is the existing one. He is the one who has been here, not just today, but yesterday He was here, and He'll be here tomorrow. He is the one who is eternal. This is the proper name of the one true God. Lord. Jehovah. Think about it. The world has thousands upon thousands upon thousands of gods. Small letter G. But there is one true God, only one, capital letter G. His name is the Lord, and He knows us. And this is how David continues in that prayer, verse 1. He says, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. And I have a footnote beside the word searched in my study Bible. I looked at it. It says this, used of the careful scrutiny involved in mining operations and in exploring a country. In other words, just as the miner is examining the rock and looking for gold and the pioneer is exploring the country and his eyes are open and he's taking in everything that he sees, so God is searching us and He knows us better than what we know ourselves. Do you know what that means? That means He knows our hurts. He knows our fears. He knows what we're insecure about. He knows our worries. He knows what our needs are. He knows everything about us. He even knows the number of hairs on top of our head. I mean, for some of us, that's not too difficult for Him. Uh, but but that, He knows us just that well. He knows you. He knows me. He knows us intimately. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. That, that is amazing to me. That the God of this universe knows us to that degree. He knows every detail about our life. And here's the good news. He cares about you. He cares about me. For the one who has lost a loved one, He cares about you. For the one whose marriage is on the rocks, He cares about you. For the young person who's uncertain about your future, I want you to know that the God of this universe cares about you. For the young couple who is struggling to get pregnant, He cares about you. For the person whose health has turned sour, He cares about you. I could go to each and every person sitting in this room and say to you that very same message, whatever it is you're going through, whether it's on the, on the bad side or maybe it's on the good side, you're rejoicing in your life, things are going pretty good right now. Whatever it 
It is in your life that you are facing. God knows you and He cares about you. Let me read to you on from verse 1 as we look at verse 2 through verse 6. It says, and again, this is David saying to him, You know me, God. Verse 2, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. There is no one who knows You like God knows You. For me, my wife knows me well. My kids know me well, but they don't know me like God knows me. He knows even my thoughts. He knows the words that I am about to speak before they're ever spoken. He knows my motives. He knows the real me. And so what does that mean for me? What does it mean for you that He would know you that well well one thing we might as well be totally honest with him because if we're not honest with him he knows that too he understands each and every one of us how many times has someone said to us how are you and we say fine I'm, i'm doing fine when maybe we're not doing fine I was in the elevator just yesterday morning early. I had made a trip up to uh, the Veterans Hospital in Kansas City to see one of our church members who's there. And as I stepped on the elevator, there was a lady there already, and I nodded at her, and I said, Hi, ma'am, how are you? And she, you know, she went like that. And she was being honest with me. I mean, most of the time in that kind of a situation when a stranger steps onto the elevator and, and they acknowledge you and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, doing good. In this case, she said, mm. she, didn't, she really didn't say much, but her facial expression said it all in her hand gesture. And I, I just... I tell you what happened, I missed an opportunity. I should have said to her, I'm going to pray for you today and for your loved one. But instead, I I tried to encourage her. I said, hey, hang in there. And I stepped off of the elevator and I was gone and, and the Lord was kicking me in the backside because I didn't take more of an opportunity to say, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who you have in here, but I understand it's not a good situation from your reaction, and I I just want you to know I care about you. I, I pray for you. I miss that opportunity. But, you know, so often when we meet that person and they say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, doing fine. And we may not be doing fine. We may be able to fool that person, but we can't fool God because... God knows us. He knows every detail 
about us. And so we might as well be honest with Him. And we need to know that He, as He knows us, He knows what our burdens are. He, he understands us. He wants to help us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to get us through. And that leads me to the next part of, of David's prayer in this chapter. He says to God, You are with me. And by the way, when we realize how great God is and who He is, when we get a picture in our heart and mind of who He is, that should prompt us to be ones who want to chase after Him. It should motivate us to want our heart to be His and to be a people who are, who are after His heart. David says, God, You know me and You are with me. Let me read to you verses 7 through 11, or actually 7 through 12. Where can I flee from your presence, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. <laughs> there is nowhere that we can go that He is not with us. The other night, Cindy and I were watching TV. It was in the... I don't remember the 8 or 9 o'clock hour, and, and we were watching a rerun of Walker, Texas Ranger. Now, you know there's not much on TV when you're sitting there watching a rerun of Walker, Texas Ranger. But in that particular episode, this little kid, probably 4th or 5th grade, was being bullied by some of his classmates. And they had been picking on him day after day after day, and he was... Uh, hearing such hurtful things said to him. He felt so alone. He felt so unloved that it drove him to commit suicide. And though that was a rerun of an old show, it really wasn't that much out of date. Because I'm wondering how many people today, young and old alike, feel unloved and 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 they feel alone, and they have little to live for, and so little hope. And if only we could grab a hold of this message for ourselves, and then give the message to the world that desperately needs to hear it, that the God of this universe, He is with us. Anywhere we go, He is there, and there is nothing too big or too difficult for Him to to handle. When He is with us and helping us, there is no situation that we cannot win over. You, God, are with us. I want to give to you a testimony, a personal testimony of how God was with me in a recent situation. About three weeks ago, I was asked to help with the funeral for Charles Parsons and the Parsons family and our family have been connected with each other for 25 years 
And Cindy and Brenda have been just such good friends, and Charles and I have been such good friends through those years. We have had so many good times together. If you were here at that service, you heard me speak about some of those good times that we have had together, mostly playing ball together. Charles and I loved softball, we loved basketball, and we played on the same team together, uh, the church team, uh, softball team, and, the, and we have a three-on-three league here at the church, and, and uh, Charles and I were on the same three-on-three team, and we have played ball together for years and had so much fun. And our friendship was just over the years deepening. We, we coached Little League together. Our daughters, uh, his daughter Carly, my daughter Rebecca were the same age and we coached their team together for several years. We have eaten at each other's table so many times through the years. He's taken care of our family and our back pain. Our, uh, Cindy and the three kids several years ago were in an accident a semi-truck hit them from behind. And, and it was, we were fortunate that I didn't lose my whole family in that accident. And uh, that accident happened the day after Charles and Brenda lost their son, Gabe, in an accident. And the only reason I wasn't in the vehicle with them was I had stayed behind to be with the Parsons family. And so I get this phone call that my family has been in this accident and, and uh, I didn't realize until I saw later the van itself and the kind of condition that it was in, uh, how bad of an accident it was and how blessed that we were that we didn't lose the whole family. But Charles, as, as, as we are trying to give care to him in his loss of his son, He, in turn, is taking care of our family in our back pain through that accident. I mean, our families were just intertwined. Our lives were intertwined in so many ways through the years. And so, Charles, having cancer, it's obvious he's going to die. And over the weeks approaching his death, I was so emotional I, I mean I couldn't even think about or talk about him dying without just absolutely losing it and here I was being asked to speak at his funeral You know, and the last thing I want to do is get up and be an emotional basket case in front of everybody. I don't want to do that. And and so I'm I'm praying. I'm saying, God, God, you've got to be with me. You've got to help me through this. And I had a lot of people praying for me. All of my, my family was praying for me. And a number of you were praying for me that was knowing uh, what I was dealing with there. And, you know, I got up here and I spoke. I was able to give that message without breaking down. And God was with me. He helped me 
And He is with us. There is no situation that we are in ever. No obstacle that we face ever that is so big that He can't help us overcome it. Whatever it is that you personally are dealing with, I have a message for you today. God knows you and God is with you. And He wants to help you. And again, if we can get a glimpse of how awesome He is, how wonderful He is, how merciful He is, then it should move us to be a people who wants to pursue His heart. And so this morning as we're working our way through Psalms 139, would you just give an ear to David as he prays and see if you can't just sense the presence of God near you. And for you to pray to Him, God, You know me. And You are with me. And here's what he has to say next. You made me. Look at verses 13 through 16 of this chapter. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. (laughs) What a beautiful passage of Scripture. And what a wonderful creation we are. And what a wonderful Creator He is. I have a picture for you of a 17-week-old baby that's in its mother's womb. Now, if you've been watching the news over the last couple of weeks, a 17-year-old or 17-week-old baby in its mother's womb has been in the news. You seen that? where a doctor, so-called doctor from Planned Parenthood, was caught on video boasting about aborting a 17-weeker, as she called it, and harvesting its organs for the purpose of reselling them. My, oh my, to what depths our country has fallen to. I don't know how God holds back His wrath from us. But this little guy, as you can very well see from the sonogram, or uh, this 3D, is it a sonogram or ultrasound? uh, Sonogram, a 3D sonogram, that you can see he has all of his extremities. They are already formed perfectly. He weighs about five ounces, according to the website that I was looking at that had this picture. And if he could stretch out in his mother's womb from from the top of his head to the tip of his feet, 
he would be about nine inches long. You already see his facial features. They are perfectly formed. His skeleton at 17 weeks is beginning to transform from cartilage to bone. Already this little guy can frown, he can squint, he has all kinds of different facial expressions, he can grab things with his hands, he can kick and let his mama know that he is there. Two weeks earlier than this, his taste buds have completely developed. He already has fingernails and toenails by this time. His kidneys are working. He can suck his thumb. His pancreas is already producing insulin. That was week 12. This baby's heart has been beating for 11 weeks. And yet, we have political leaders and judges in our country who are saying it's okay to kill this baby. How foolish can they be? But maybe what's more foolish is that we would vote those political leaders into office who would make those kinds of decisions. And how sad is that? I'm stepping on toes here. I'll move on. David says to God in his prayer, You made me. You are the one who formed me. You wove me in my mother's womb. A parallel passage in Job chapter 10 verse 11 says that God knit us together with bones and sinews. He is our awesome Creator and we indeed are wonderfully made. You. You are wonderfully made. And I am wonderfully made. We have reason to like ourselves. We are the handiwork of the Creator of the universe. In fact, we are the crown jewel of His creation. And so, as we consider the work of His hands, we should be prompted to chase after His heart. You know me. You are with me. You made me. And next in his prayer, David says this. You amaze me. You amaze me. Let me read to you verses 17 and 18 of this chapter. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Who can know the mind of God? I mean, his thoughts are too numerable to count. (laughs) If if I get a good idea, I want to write it down because... Good ideas don't always come to me. But God, I mean, His thoughts 
are beyond even our imagination. We were laughing at my mom just recently. My sister was taking her to St. Louis this weekend to see one of her very best friends. And my sister actually was telling me about this conversation that she had with my mom. And they're talking, and uh, my mom was saying that she was so excited. She's going to go and get to go to St. Louis and see. She says, what was my best friend's name? (laughs) And Debbie says, Jackie? Oh, yeah, I... She's getting to go to St. Louis to see Jackie. She couldn't even remember her best friend's name. <laughs> and sometimes we're that way, aren't we? Our minds just get fuzzy and, and what we're looking for, it's just not there. We can't grab a hold of it. Not so with God. The psalmist says his thoughts are more numerable than the sand on the seashore. And you know what David is actually saying there? He's saying this. You, God, amaze me. Because your thoughts are so higher than my thoughts. And then lastly, he says this. You critique me. You critique me. Let me read to you verses 19 through 22. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. What? (laughs) Listen to what he's saying. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from, from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Now honestly, we probably need more time with this particular part of the chapter because this does not sound to me like a man who is after God's own heart. He's praying for God to slay the wicked. He's talking about hating his enemies. How can this be coming from the lips of a man who is is said to be after God's heart? I like what Mark Scott said about this. And I have it for you on on the screen. He said, It's okay to vent your anger to God. It's not going to knock God off of His throne. I hear people say all of the time, well, we can't question God. We can't question God. Well, where does that come from? I mean, where... Where do people get that kind of thinking that they cannot question God? They do not get that kind of thinking from this book. Because all of the time David is questioning God. Just read through the book of Psalms and you see that there are lots of times that David is he's questioning God. There are times even that he seems to be so angry at God. 
You, you think we're not supposed to question God? You tell me, if it was your son or daughter that was in that military recruiting office in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and some crazy guy comes in and shoots your kid in cold blood, you tell me, you're not going to question God? Yeah, you'll question Him. Because it's the normal thing to do. There's nothing unholy about questioning God in those kinds of circumstances. In fact, it's, it's normal. It's normal even to be angry with God in those kinds of circumstances. Remember I said to you earlier that God knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our words before we even speak to them. And so, we might as well be honest with Him and tell Him what we're thinking, tell Him how we're feeling, but, hear me say this, we always need to come back to to verses 23 and 24 that's in this chapter. And this is what it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You see, there's the difference. David is praying to God that God would take him from here in his anger and in his hatred, that God would take him from here, that he would move him to here, to the everlasting way. He says, God, you know me, and you search me, and you try me, and if there be any hurtful way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. And that should be our prayer. God, I'm going to be totally honest with you. This is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. I want you to move me from here to here. Lead me in the everlasting way. And I think that if we pray that kind of prayer to God, He's going to hear it and He will bless us as He blessed David. And so in prayer, we say, God, you know me. You are with me. You made me. And Father, you amaze me. And you critique me. And I am just so thankful that your grace is greater than our disgrace. Would you lead me in the everlasting way? Let's stand together and let's sing.